Amen. Thank you, Cindy. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And I'd like you to stay tuned after. We have some exciting announcements. You might have already received an email and seen what is going on. And we're looking forward to being back in church next Sunday, the 21st. I hope you can join us. We've already had, uh, as of this morning, about 60 sign up. And so we praise the Lord. We're excited. And I and, uh, hope that we can... Uh, uh, get through a service without bawling. I know the last time it just was overwhelming to be back with God's people and be back in the house of the Lord. So sign up this week and, and tell your friends, pass that email around, and let's make sure that we get everybody signed up uh, that's able to come, and it'll be a wonderful time in the house of the Lord. But stay tuned after. We'll give you a couple of announcements regarding some things that are going on this week in order to be ready to go. All right, First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. What manner of love... What manner of love? The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear that we shall be, or what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We do pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be reminded, Lord, of the wonderful love of God. And we've sang all about it tonight. There's so many other songs that we could have chosen that just reinforce this wonderful thought that God loves us. Help us, we pray, Lord, to absorb it. Help us to understand it. And Lord, we, we hope especially, Lord, for those that maybe not, don't know Christ, that they're afraid of a vengeful God. They're afraid of a God of judgment and a hellfire and brimstone God. And certainly God judges sin, but God is a God of love that loves the sinner and died on his behalf and paid the price for his sin so we never have to experience the wrath or judgment of God. So, Father, I pray that what you just speak to our hearts now, may the Spirit of God fill us and use us. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we shall be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The Bible says, behold, or to consider carefully, to meditate upon. And the Bible says in the next couple words, behold what manner. That word manner means to consider two things. One, to consider the quantity of something. How much love has God showed upon us? And secondly, it, it means to consider the quality of something. And we're going to look at a couple of those things quickly by way of introduction, but let me share a story with you. Years ago, a young man contacted D.L. Moody, and he was, I believe, from Ireland, and he contacted him and said, I'd like to come and preach at your boys' homes. I've heard so much about your ministry there, and I'd like to come and preach if I could. And Mr. Moody didn't think he'd ever make it to America. He says, well, if you ever get to America, call me. So he received a telegraph a few months later that the young man had arrived in Boston and was taking a train to Chicago. And Mr. Moody said, well, I gave my word and I've, I've heard about this young man and heard that he's a decent preacher. And he says, but I'm just not sure about him. I don't know him that well, but I guess I gave my word. I should let him preach. And he said to his men that were helping him, he says, I have to go out of town. I'm preaching a revival and you just have to let him preach. And so I guess the young man preached for seven nights in a row, and every night he preached on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten son. A different message every time, but the same passage. After seven nights, Mr. Moody came home and said to his wife, how's the young preacher making out? And she says, oh, he's a wonderful preacher, but you won't like him. He says, why not? She said, because he preaches that God loves the sinner. Mr. Moody preached before that, that God hated the sinner. Now we must be redeemed to God in order to know God's love. He says, well, I'll go down tonight and I will listen and I will set him straight. He went down that night and at the end of the service, Mr. Moody was at the altar, weeping and praying and recognizing God's love for the sinner. Friends, I want you to know that God loves you. The Bible says we are to consider that love, to meditate upon that love, to know and understand that love. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I want you to notice first the quantity of that love. And I'm just going to give you a few things by way of introduction. The quantity of God's love. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 31, it is an everlasting love. He said to the people of Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I know the context there is the prophet Jeremiah speaking to Israel. And we don't believe in replacement theology that the church replaces Israel. But I do know this, that God uh, changes not. That he said that I am the Lord, I change not. He is an omniscient, omnipotent God who never changes. And if he loved Israel, he loves his people today. Those that are called of God and saved, it is an everlasting love. Uh, We notice secondly, he is an enduring love. Look at Romans chapter 8. Turn there. I'm just going to quote most of this, but I want to read this passage. Romans chapter 8. It is an enduring love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, I'm sorry, verse 35, or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Where? Which is in Christ. Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, the Apostle Paul would have been of the ilk that said that God hated the sinner. He was a Pharisee. He was one that killed Christians, and God hates those sinners. But he says, I am persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's an everlasting love. He is an enduring love. I want you to notice, thirdly, he is an example of love. The Bible says, and walk in love as Christ also loved us. When we're thinking about the quantity of God's love or how much God, his his love is so perfect that he is the ultimate example of love. If we are going to love, the Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Every example we need of love comes from God. And I want you to notice also he emanates love. 1 John 4 verse 7 says, God is love. It's a very attribute of God. We can't look at God and say that God is not love because God emanates love. He is love, so he is everlasting love. He is enduring love. He is the example of love. He emanates love. But I want you to notice also the quality of God's love. It's not just an abundance. There's a quality to it. Romans 5 teaches us it's a spiritual love. The Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Ghost. You say, does God love me? 
The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, and as sons of God we are loved. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It is a spiritual love. It is a sacrificial love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is a sustaining love. Listen, I'm thankful there have been some uh, difficult times in my life and difficult times in ministry, difficult times because of peril and difficult times because of sin and depression and discouragement. All of us go through those things from time to time. It's good to know that God's love is a sustaining love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Verse 14 in the same chapter, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. It's a sustaining love. I want to suggest to you also it's a sincere love. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's sincere in that it has no respecter of persons. God loves every man, woman, and child the same way. On the worst day of your life, in the deepest, darkest moments of your sin, God commended his love toward you. It's a sincere love. It's a shown love. It's a shown love. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. We can see it. We can know it. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. In our passage in 1 John chapter 3, John gives us some things that love has accomplished. I want to look at those tonight. As we behold, as we meditate, as we look and think about the manner of God's love, as we take into consideration, yea, meditate upon them tonight, I want you to notice first of all in verse 1, his love has extended to us a privilege. His love has extended to us a privilege. I just want to stop for a moment and pause. And we talk so much about his mercy. And we speak highly of his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. We talk about his redemption. We talk about his sacrifice. We talk about his bloodshed. We talk about him preparing an eternal home for us. Friends, every one of those things springs forth out of God's love for us. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. His love is extended to us a privilege. We can be called the sons of God. John 1.12 is probably the most uh, well-known verse on that topic, isn't it? But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Hey, be careful, don't fall into that trap that we're all part of God's family. The world likes to say that, they like to think that, and they put themselves in God's family. But friends, you must be born again. You must be washed in the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit will baptize you into the family of God. But you cannot put yourself there. You cannot work your way there. You cannot climb these broken ladders and find yourself in the glove of Christ. It's because of the love of Christ. He reached down with his son Jesus and he plucked us from this miry clay and he rescued and redeemed us. And by his blood, he placed us in the family of God. Hey, it's such a blessing to be a part as the family of God. So first of all, it speaks of family. When we talk about the sons of God, we see that father-son relationship. 
He cares. He chastens. He comforts. It speaks of family. But I notice, secondly, it speaks of familiarity. Notice what the scripture says. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. They don't know Christ, and the more we become familiar with Christ, the more we begin to look at like Christ, the more strange and odd we become to the world. The more separate we become from them, and if they ignore him, and they knew him not, and they rejected him, and he was despised of the world, friends, we will be too. It speaks of being familiar with Christ. The privilege of being his child draws us into this closeness And eventually we fall out of favor with the world. But it also speaks of a fondness. Notice what he says. Let me read the whole verse again. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. More than just a family relationship, there's a fondness there. I'd like to put it this way. God doesn't just love me, he likes me. That's, that's an unusual thing to say. You say, don't the two go hand in hand? No, not necessarily. You all have family that you love, but you don't necessarily like. You've been to family reunions. You understand what I'm talking about. But God loves us, and God has a fondness for us. It's more than just family. He loves us. He desires to have a, a close walk with us. He desires for us to pray and, and converse with him. He desires for us to have a communion with him. There's not just a family relationship or familiarity. It speaks of a fondness that we can be the sons of God. So much so that he has covenanted to be near us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have you ever avoided somebody? Somebody that causes you stress? You know, sometimes I understand the Bible gives us a biblical principle. If somebody walks disorderly among us, we are to, just to, to avoid them. The Bible uses the word avoid. Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 13. That we're to avoid them. We're to be careful of those relationships. Now listen, it's not talking about a sinner. If a man is overtaken a fall, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. We're to love people. Jesus dined with Pharisees and publicans and sinners. and He was accused of, of all kinds of things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody that's saved and walking disorderly in the flesh. We're to be careful about and so we're, we're sometimes we take that to heart and say, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to avoid them. I don't want the tough conversation. Listen, God never avoids us. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. His love has extended to us a privilege. Secondly, in verse 2, we see this. His love has endowed us with a promise. His love has endowed us with a promise. Beloved, isn't that wonderful how he starts that verse? In the first verse, we see that he has bestowed upon us a love that has brought us into a relationship with God because he loves us, but now he calls us beloved. Do you know there's only one other person in the Bible called the beloved? It's Jesus. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. If you read the Song of Solomon, you'll see all through it a picture of Christ and his church, and he's called my beloved. We are the beloved as well. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. His love has endowed us with a promise. First of all, we see our present condition. Ye are now the sons 
of God. Let me just take a moment, if I could, away from my message and let me share with you the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of God's love, we can know him personally. You say, how? Through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Understand this, the Bible is very plain that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Righteousness is to be right with God. There is none that doeth good, the Bible says. All we like sheep have gone astray. We are, we are lost because of the fall of man, because of sin. The Bible says, as by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. That was Adam who sinned in the Garden of Eden. And we have inherited a sin nature. We, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We have inherited that nature through our father, Adam. But the Bible says this. If we can put our faith in just in Jesus Christ, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift is called grace. That's what a gift is. It's grace. Something we do not deserve. And he says, for by grace are he saved through faith. Friend, if you don't know Christ today, you can know him. You can put your trust in him. So much is made about repentance, and I believe in repentance. I, I believe, you say, well, do you have to repent of your sins? Well, I don't know how everybody could repent of their sins. A lot of things we don't even realize are sinful until we get saved. But this I know, we have to repent of everything else we are trusting in, and we must trust only in Jesus Christ. That's true repentance. To turn away from everything else we thought would get us to heaven. As Cindy sang before, all those broken ladders, all those things we were trying to construct to, to be pleasing to God and to build our way to heaven, we must lay aside all of that and repent of all of that and trust only in Jesus Christ. It is Jesus plus nothing. And when we do that, we'll be miraculously saved by God's love. He says we are now the children of of God. We are now the sons of God. Oh, we're a work in progress, aren't we? We're slowly growing and trying to be more Christ-like. So we see our present condition, but notice in that verse, there's also a promise change. Our promise change. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. At his return, we'll be made complete. The Bible says this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruption shall put on incorruption and we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of eye at the return of Christ. That's a promise changed. I want you to see thirdly in verse three. Verse three. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We saw, first of all, his love has extended to us a privilege. His love has endowed us with a promise. I want you to notice, thirdly, his love has encouraged us to purify. His love has encouraged, encouraged us to purify. Every man that hath this hope, what is that hope? The hope that we'll be changed. The hope that we are now the sons of God. That hope is because we are part of the beloved. We have been made whole by Jesus Christ. He has bestowed a love upon us that is uh, almost inquantable in its measure. And notice what he says next. When we have this hope, we ought to purify ourselves even as he is pure. 
Our hope springs from the promise. And that promise says we ought to be pure. It's out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of thanksgiving that we come to God and say, God, make me whole. Make me right. You died for my sins and I'm tired of hurting you. Notice the rest of the chapter. How he lays out how we are to walk holy. How we are to be made complete. How we are to walk in purity. Verse 4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever... He is born of God, doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither is he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew, uh, slew he him? Because his own works were evil. And his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. His love, or he that loveth not his brother, abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and he know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemned us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit in which he hath given us. Notice the theme as we read verses 4 through 24. It's basically the greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy brother as thyself. His love has encouraged us to purify, and he says, here's where I want you to start. I want you to love God because he first loved you. I want you to love your brother who has this world's good and sees his brother has need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Prove that God loves you. Prove that God's love is in you by loving your brother. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. If I were to read chapter 4, and I won't take the time, we'd see over and over again proofs of God's love dwelling in us. Let me ask you this tonight. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Can the world see the love of God in you? I've seen over time some nasty Christians just don't treat people very well. Do you know that by our love, the disciples are known by our love for others? 
That's, that's, he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, even by your love. And if we have the love of God within us because God loved us and we express it to others, then we are truly presenting Christ. A long time ago, I was asked to do a funeral and they said, hey, no hellfire and brimstone. They said, we know our family. We know the unsaved ones. They need to hear about the love of God. Well, because of the love of God, we can avoid that hellfire and brimstone. Do you know Jesus? Listen, you need to understand this tonight. Jesus took your place. That cross should have been yours. That penalty that he paid should have been levied upon you. There's no excuse for our sins other than Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. I'm thankful tonight for the love of God. And if you don't know him, would you trust him tonight? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at, right where you are. Listen, this, this moment is just between you and the Lord. I, I can't see you raise a hand, so that doesn't matter. But right now, right where you are, you can ask God to save you. You can say, I believe that I'm a sinner, that I'm lost without a Savior, but I've been contemplating this love. I've been considering what manner of love God hath bestowed upon us that he wants to bring me into the family of God and make me a child of God. It's all because of what happened on the cross of Calvary because Jesus shed his blood to pay the price for you. You're not allowed into God's family unless your sins have been paid for. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. If you know Christ, we'd be glad to help you tonight. There's a number on your screen that you can call. You can email us. You can go to our website, BethelBaptistSimple.ca. There you can find the emails of the staff. You can call us. You see the number there, 426-8421. Listen, don't hesitate. Let us know of your need. We'll take some time and show you what a Bible says, and we can meet with you. You know, everything's opening up on Tuesday. We're, We're able to meet with you again and sit down with the Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's not about a religion. It's not about a creed. It's not about a statement of faith. It's about having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, as he laid out in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Make sure you're saved. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for these tonight that are contemplating this message and Lord, thinking about your love for them and how much you love them. And I pray, Lord, that they'd realize that that love was expressed so perfectly when you allowed your son to take our place and pay the price for our sin on the cross of Calvary. Oh, Father, we pray that you would speak to hearts, draw somebody to yourself, allow them to be saved tonight. And Father, we'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.